Uh, I'm 84% downloaded of the Asobo Airport RJTT Tokyo Haneda 0.1.42 FS patch. Nice. I feel like if there were zombies, there wouldn't be some bigger, grosser zombies. But I don't know. There are a lot of bigger, grosser people. Today, we mourn the loss of someone we didn't even know was still with us, who always stood at our side, ready and raring to go, although we seldom used them. Today is the end, John. Today marks the end of an era. Internet Explorer is dead. Microsoft officially has killed off the 25-year-old browser. It will no longer be supported by the company starting next August 2021. Let's have a moment of silence for our fallen comrade. Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John, coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. That's it. That's, that's that's it and that's all. Yeah. Oh, fuck. So Internet Explorer, right? 
Yeah, Internet Explorer is going to die next year, August 17th, 2021. Oh, the countdown begins now. The countdown until Internet Explorer makes you cry. Yeah, so we're at, what, 364 days? Yeah, the the Majora's Mask Internet. It's the Internet Explorer logo, but with, like, crazy bloodshot eyes as it gets closer to the planet. (laughs) 364 days remain. Now, uh, it is unfortunately joined in the grave by its uh, compatriots, the real media player, Winamp. QuickTime? QuickTime, also also in there. The website, Dailymotion. Um, opera? Opera. Oh, Netscape. 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 Netscape became Mozilla, which uh- became Firefox. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah, and Mozilla used to be called, I think, Netscape Mozilla, and now uh, Firefox is... So, you know, the world's second browser is, yeah. uh, is still Netscape. Wow, that's amazing. I, that's kind of blows my mind a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm almost, you know, kind of over losing uh, Internet Explorer. Yeah, I mean, Internet Explorer, you know, uh, it was useful, but then we all just decided to open up a terminal where we just feed all of our information directly to Google every day. Oh, so you're you're on that new social media too? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the new social media called uh, Life, and oh well, I have a Google-branded phone. Nothing in my life is safe from Alphabet. It's true, yeah. Um, let's, let's pick this, this, I'm sad. <laughs> Just like how classic favorite video game Near Automata had a had an had twenty six endings, one for each letter of the alphabet. Hold on, I started saying this, but I'll pull it together. All of our fates are also the alphabet. Well, that sounds like a frosty beverage. I opened up a beer, John. It sounded like a can. Oh, you know me. I always drink the same drink uh, week after week, so don't expect anything different from me. Oh, is this a uh, 512 pecan porter? Wait, I'm going to try to do your pecan porter read from memory. Okay. Uh, this is a 512 pecan porter, a warm, to- toasty <laughs> beverage. Brewed in the heart of Blanco, Texas, from fresh Texas pecans. You know, I don't think I've ever said that before, but uh, you are—you actually hit the nail on the head. This week, I'm drinking a Live Oak Big Bark Amber Lager, a Vienna-style lager beer, and the can says uh, "Extraordinary Lagers and Ales, craft brewed in Austin, Texas, since 1997, using traditional beer-making methods." inspired by old world style beers and i don't think i've ever said on the podcast before you i i don't think you've ever said that on the podcast but you're always drinking that beer always that beer never a new one i saw um that live oak had an an amber lager on the market and you know you know if live oak like pretty much all of their beers are like seasonal so i was like hey might as well try the try this this new beer that i drink every week and how is it? It's very light on the palate. It, you know, it's it's your traditional amber style beer, uh, lager. It, it's it's 
kind of sessionable while being a little bit heavy. And the taste is pleasant, kind of like if you brewed bread, <laughs> but not as long as their other brewed be- bread beers. So it's almost like the beer you're drinking is essentially water bread that has been water bread for a certain period of time, longer than others, shorter than others. Like all of the uh, beers from Live Oak, it's got a little oaky aftertaste. You you might feel like you're drinking wooden bread, but that is not to say that it is bad. That is just to say that that is the style that they brew with. Now, that taste characteristic comes from the straining oak, I believe. Oh, they strain they strain their beer through the, a river? Uh, yes, they, they strain it through a, a river that runs through an oak that can think. Wow, a sentient oak. Yeah, a sentient oak, uh, it does pray. Well, that's good to know, so it can, it can receive the help it needs in time. Uh, well, you know, depending on your belief structure. I believe in the praying oak, but I don't believe in an interventionist god. Oh, okay. Are you drinking anything this week? Yeah, I'm drinking a sparkling water. I uh, ran out of beer. I bought beer yesterday, but I just bought, like, one big beer <laughs> that I then drank while watching cartoons. So I'm not... I'm not, right. I'm not up on the beer tip. God, I wish I had a beer. I can describe my sparkling water to you. What kind of sparkling water? What flavor? Uh, this is an H-E-B unsweetened sparkling water grapefruit naturally flavored with other natural flavors <laughs> other than grapefruit. Is that what it means? <laughs> Wait, is there any grapefruit in it or are there just natural flavors that taste kind of like grapefruit? Now, of course, like your beer, my beer also has a, a fun little blurb about its quality. Um, ingredients, carbonated water, natural flavor, made with pride and care for H-E-B San Antonio, Texas. Uh, package USA. Lot number and best by date on package. 100% guarantee promise Charles Butt. Hell yeah, Charles Butt. And there, there's a little Texas that says, go Texan. Thanks, H-E-B. I don't like shopping in you in the pandemic. Right. Yeah, it's a real game changer. We've just been get, getting the curbside every week. Yeah, I know that uh, I'm, I am I was talking to Allison, and she said that when she initially heard a, a Kevin Smith, you know, of Clerks fame. Oh, right, Kevin Smith. Uh, he was talking at, she was listening to one of his talks. And he was describing grocery delivery, and he lives in L.A., and Allison considered that to be the bougiest most outlandish proposition that someone would have groceries delivered to them. And now flash forward a few years and we're doing it every week. Oh, you you guys spring for the delivery? We spring for the delivery. Let me tell you why. Number one, it's hot. Number two, we're creating (laughs) jobs. And number three, we're lazy. Hot jobs and lazy, the trifecta of justification. Now, you might be saying, why would you get food delivered when you could just go curbside or even get it yourself if you're taking the proper safety precautions? And I say to you, in either of those cases, would we be able to get numerous substitutions? No. Would we be able to get our groceries delivered straight to our door, including a 12-pack of 
yogurt for babies that we definitely did not order and is still in our fridge. And we don't know how that peach flavored baby yogurt ended up with our groceries instead. And we think pretty much every day, like someone ordered that peach flavored baby yogurt because it's very specific and would not have been even close to anything that we had in our list and assuming that the family that gets these groceries delivered only does so once a week is this peach craving yogurt baby hungry did they buy more did they go to the store and get more peach yogurt for their peach craving yogurt baby and got covid because of us Yeah, those are some of the bigger questions you have to ask yourself when you find a 12-pack of peach baby yogurt in your in your deliveries. I still have not eaten a single one. I, I still have this assumption in the back of my mind that these yogurt parents will find us and demand their peach-flavored yogurt baby. Peach-flavored peach, peach baby yogurt. Peach-flavored baby yogurt. <laughs> They call up the HEB and they're like, hey, uh, we didn't get our peach flavored baby yogurt that we definitely ordered and paid for. Um, do you have what? What? Do you know who got it? <laughs> Can we have their address? <laughs> Can we have their address? Like, is that is that cool? We're. We just want the yogurt. We don't want any trouble. <laughs> That's what they say to us when they when they come to take the yogurt. Look, look. <laughs> they come to your front door. They are maskless. They are bloodshot eyes. They're like their peach craving trouble. yogurt craving baby has been screaming nonstop. <laughs> they have not slept since we were delivered this peach baby, this yogurt, this peach flavored baby yogurt. This the. <laughs> <laughs> they, they come at you, you know, arms like angled like a like, like I don't know a feral ghoul from from Fallout. Like they're going to rake you with their claws, and they're shaking. They're just like, give us the yogurt, give us the yogurt, give us the peach flavored baby yogurt, and no one needs to get hurt. And think about it, we. This, I can't imagine, so baby things, babe, things for babies, like diapers and like the, the dust that you feed babies. <laughs> yeah, diapers and dust. <laughs> diapers and dust. Those are two, they're expensive things. They understand people gotta have babies and people gotta feed them the dust. <laughs> you gotta give them that dust. You gotta get diapers and dust because dust go in, dust come out, and you need a diaper. From so there's a premium. Dust. <laughs> From dust to dust. You need things for babies and there's you gotta have babies (laughs) hold on everybody's gotta gotta have babies so you you gotta upcharge for baby stuff and also yogurt is also expensive right depending on the kind of peach it is flavored with if it is a cling peach where of course as we know repeat after me the flesh clings to the pit its season is over so probably that would have been more expensive because a cling peach is out of season now of course if it's a free a free pit peach where once again repeat after me the flesh does not cling to the pit we are at the tail end of that peaches season. So maybe it was a little bit less expensive, but baby stuff, expensive yogurt, expensive peaches, variable. This is probably a high value item. 
It probably represented a huge portion of their, their grocery budget for the month. Yeah, it was probably just that and some, like, water. Water for the adults, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, they need to stay hydrated. <laughs> you can't feed a baby water. You can't. They need peach-flavored yogurt. Also, the official tagline for peach-flavored yogurt you gotta have babies. <laughs> you gotta have babies. And when you have babies, what the fuck are you gonna feed them? <laughs> That's the great thing about having a child. You know, uh, you know the, the mother goes through all of the, the labor and like it, it's grueling and exhausting and you get this child and, you know, maybe a couple of days later you leave with a, with a human person. And the doctors weren't like, make sure to feed it peach-flavored yogurt. That's the only thing they like. No, it's just like, you're on your own. you got to find out about that peach-flavored yogurt yourself. I mean, every time, we, we all know, you more than me, but we all know couples who have a kid, and they all say the same thing. They say, you got to have a kid. You won't be- You're not even going to believe me now, but it changes your life. And what the fuck am I supposed to feed it? <laughs> yeah, they're all like, you know, they say that mothers or that, you know, women become mothers when they're pregnant and fathers become or men become fathers when they first hold their baby and think, what the fuck do I feed you? <laughs> Just what the... I uh, I remember there's a there's a picture there's a picture of me as a baby and I've got a little shirt on that says what the fuck do I eat? Yeah, it's it's Parents amazing. Parents are pleading. They're pleading <laughs> all the time. What the fuck does it eat? It is just amazing that we have come this far as a species, and to this day, no one knows what the fuck babies eat. Well, they've. I mean, peach flavored yogurt. We know that for a fact. <laughs> that is the one thing, you know, years and years of scientists running experiments have come down to the fact that peach flavored yogurt is the only thing they eat. And also that means that if somebody steals peach flavored baby yogurt from someone else, I feel like that's a crime punishable by several deaths. Uh, at least two. Now, the branding on this peach-flavored baby yogurt, not to get too far in the weeds about the peach-flavored baby yogurt, but it's not great because the the package... Stonyfield, you're familiar? They make yogurt, apparently. Uh, I've never heard of that. The The package, when when it was delivered, erroneously, I cannot stress that enough... When it was delivered, you look at it and it says Stonyfield. I'm like, I understand. Uh, it's a company. Apparently they make yogurt. And then it just says in big, like, orange balloon letters, baby? <laughs> but it, it, it in much finer print is, like, yogurt peach flavored. Uh, but the first thing you notice, obviously, is that you have a 12-pack of liquid that says baby on it. And then oh, you notice no. the stony field. So who knows? If oh. I hadn't have looked closely enough, I would not have realized that that was stony field, peach flavored baby yogurt, uh, uh, a commodity like unto gold. Oh no. John, I think you accidentally got a shipment of adrenochrome meant for some politician. 
Oh no, does that mean I'm, I have to make a sacrifice to Moloch now? Something in that line, yeah. God damn it. I should I should have known Stonyfield purveyors of adrenochrome. So I, I'm taking a look. I, I have typed in Stonyfield yogurt baby into Google, so I'm now on a list. Uh, but I'm looking at the packaging of this, uh, of just what they put online for their packaging, and it is... Stonyfield Organic Yo Baby. It might say Yo Baby. It doesn't say yogurt anywhere, but clearly on the packaging there is the face of a child. Presumably the child whose innards are in this yogurt, sadly. Why do they need pictures of babies on baby products? Yeah, it does just say Yo Baby with probiotics. Oh, John, so gotta, it is a oh no, John, you gotta bury that, John. You gotta that's some that's some that's some what's her name Maxwell? That's some Gladys yeah, Maxwell. Oh shit. no, Galen Maxwell. She, she they put her in the clink and she had to offload all of her baby adrenochrome with probiotics. Yeah, make it make that ritual sacrifice to Malik. Uh, Rami Malik. <laughs> to actor Rami Malik of Mister Robot. Yes. Okay, uh, it's important. Am I doing the sacrifice to Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, no, no, no. Mr. Specific, Robot? Specifically Mr. Robot. Okay, that, that one's easier because then I think at the end I get my credit card debt absolved. Well, and also the whole world collapses, but then it turns out in season two that that's not a big deal, but then things escalate and then season three is where I am now, and I'm just, I'm following every other word. Mr. Robot, confusing show. Well, I, I mean, it's better than if I had to do the Bohemian Rhapsody one, because then Brian Singer wins an Oscar. Right. Only his name's not attached. And I do have to walk around with a ridiculous prosthetic in my mouth for the rest of my life. Yeah, your adrenochrome rake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is specifically meant for harvesting adrenochrome. Now that we have discovered that I'm implicated in a in a in a dark ritual that implicates uh, politicians, entertainers, uh, and people on the world's stage at both the lowest and the highest level, I think it's best if we moved on from the baby peach peach right. baby uh, flavored yogurt baby peach. Well, speaking of receiving things delivered to you that you did not expect, John. Uh, a lot of people in these here United States, so sorry for all of our international fans, but a lot of people in these here United States aren't receiving things that they expect to be delivered because the post office is being, I don't, what what's the good word for it? Fucked I, with? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so I, I don't know if anyone's been following this because it's kind of slipped under the cracks unless you're on Twitter. But, like, post offices around the nation are having uh, new changes forced onto them by the, the Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy. I haven't been following this super... I mean, I, I've been following everything that, like, pops up in my feed. And I know it's a bad thing. Obviously, it's a bad thing. The U.S. Postal Service is, like, tremendously useful uh to a number of communities. Uh, 
and also Donald Trump hates it because he number one carries like a weird 90s style media grudge because of course he does uh and there's like a Jeff Bezos thing and he thinks that Amazon is implicated with the I don't want to talk about that but I don't right. know who the actors are in this post office drama like I know a lot of mailboxes got removed from Oregon and Oregon only votes by mail so it seemed like they were doing like voter suppression by proxy but I don't know who who the bad people are I think maybe this postmaster general is a bad person am I wrong so the the first hint about who the bad people are and this particular tale of American politics it's kind of like one of those things where it's kind of in your face who the bad person is. The postmaster general's name is Louis D. Joy, as in the opposite of joy. Oh, he, he changed his name from uh, Louis uh, uh, Joy. <laughs> huh? What was, what was your Pretty joke? Good. Lewis Nega Joy, like negative joy. Yeah, so now he's just D Joy, the opposite of joy. He's kind of who the blame, and uh, so you, you know specifically about in certain communities, they removed what they deemed as duplicate mailboxes because there were mailboxes, you know, within a couple of blocks of each other. So we got to remove the extra so there's less stops, so we're not running at a deficit, John. So, but here are some nationwide changes that have been implemented across the nations, you know, just regardless of state. Um, Starting in July, delivery drivers have had to leave at scheduled times, even if their trucks are not fully loaded with mail, according to internal post service documents and officers at postal stations. Previously, trucks often waited for mail sorting facilities to finish processing and loading the day's mail before carting it to branches for delivery by letter carriers. So this would be the trucks delivering the mail to regional uh, post offices from distribution centers. They would wait until the mail was sorted before they took the mail to the regional offices to be distributed by letter carriers. But they were told that they had to leave at scheduled times times that were earlier than being fully loaded, leaving some mail behind to be picked up the next day, thus creating a delay. The Postal Service also restricted overtime hours for clerks and carriers, and they cited that, uh, you know, the service is financially troubled. It has a net loss of $22 billion in the last quarter. But here's the thing, John. The Postal Service, as a service, has never turned a profit. It is always a sunk cost because it is a service to the American people. It is not a revenue builder. And I think that, so I I don't know a ton about USPS, but I think like two major things that have worked against the U.S. Postal Service and people use it as an argument for privatization, by the way, the Postal Service goes away, prepare for U.S. UPS and FedEx to be unaffordable services uh, used only by corporations because they have no uh, competition. But right. wasn't there like this ridiculous thing with the United States Postal Service where they required them to like pre-fund 
retiree health insurance of like five billion dollars in advance and made it so they couldn't do certain things that would result in turning a profit like they limited the amount that they could charge for certain things right that happened a couple of years ago your memory is is very spot on uh basically they passed some legislation to ensure that the post office had no chance at even breaking even and uh when they did that, they're like, we're just making sure they're fiscally responsible, you know, rada rada. Uh, but what they were really doing was weakening the, what the post office could do so that, you know, in times where they might need to shut it down, they could take the necessary steps like ordering letter carriers at hundreds of post offices to head out on their routes immediately in the morning, carrying only packages and letters that were sorted the night before. And some post offices, mail carriers, said that the unsorted mail waits an extra day to be delivered. And other and others, carriers have said that they double back to pick up a second batch later in the day. So you've got trucks of mail leaving before the mail has been sorted and distributed. And then you've got letter carriers leaving early in the morning before they even have full loads. This is just creating delay after delay so that People who receive their prescription drugs, life-saving, life-sustaining medicine in the mail might not receive their dosages and their lives may be threatened. Now, isn't... I, I know nothing about this Louis DeJoy person. Uh, I do know that he is a businessman and Republican Party fundraiser, so you know. Um, but... Almost everything that's happened with the Postal Service over the last few years appears designed to create a narrative of the post office being like a being an entity that's hemorrhaging money and is badly in need of privatization, something that people on the right have wanted to do. They've had like a hobby horse of privatizing the post office for the last like 20 years because there's this very myopic view on the right where they're like, well, I got my package via UPS fast. Fast means privatization. Good. Yeah. But is yeah. is Louis DeJoy one of these people? Is he like a is he an evil agent on the inside trying to tear the trying to tear it down? I was gonna say this for a big reveal, but since you've asked me pointedly right here now, I will tell you. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy has seventy million dollars invested in companies that compete with the Postal Service. Hilarious. Of course he does. Between him and his wife, they have $30.1 million and $75.3 million in assets and U.S. Postal Service competitors and contractors. So, yeah. He stands to benefit if the USPS happens to go under or gets defunded or is tripped up in any way because he's invested near $100 million rounding up in competitors who would directly benefit from its being shut down. It's like he's a captain of a ship who took out life insurance policies of his crew and then sunk it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the last thing, uh, the last big change that made... Uh, Changes nationwide to post offers. Post office. Wow. The last big sweeping change to national post offices that I'm going to mention 
is that some postal workers have reported that the agency is removing mail sorting machines from facilities across the country. Uh, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said that the initiative began under DeJoy's predecessor. Postal officials did not immediately respond to a request for comment. So these are a lot of the sweeping changes that affected every state. And then there were more specific changes like... Uh, removing mailboxes from highly populated cities where people vote by mail and things like that. Uh, But what was announced just today uh, was that that the Postal Service was going to back down on all of these changes due to at least 20 states suing them over potential mail delays ahead of election. I I was reading that earlier today, and that makes me very happy because I think they're suspending all changes until the election is over. Correct. Uh, which is great. Uh, I, I mean, I, it's timing, rare that you see something like that happen. Right. The timing was just too convenient because you've got the sitting president of the United States complaining about mail-in voting for what feels like months, and then all of a sudden drastic sweeping changes happening to the United States Postal Service around the same time, right before the, you know, upcoming 2020 election. So it's like, it's a little, a little too convenient of timing for it to be coincidence. Well, it's, but go ahead. I was going to say, but stepping back all of the changes would remove that sort of conversation because if they're not going to do it, you know, any more changes or they're stepping back the changes they did make until after the election, then they're saying, look, look, we were, you know, now we're after the election, we're going to go through with it. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hiding dastardly things behind convenient timing. It's, so there's two things going on here, and I am very concerned that after all this is over, like finally the election's over, now we can gut the Postal Service. Uh, because, of course, keep in mind that the Postal Service is the primary way that both veterans, uh, people who are Social Security recipients, and the elderly receive their medication. Uh, they're Absolutely. not going to a pharmacy. Right. Uh, but like indigenous communities, communities that are predominantly people of color, these places need the post office to survive. Rural communities, especially, like there are huge swaths of this country that do not have access to UPS, FedEx, or high speed internet. They need the post office, and it exists for a reason. So I'm I'm very scared that people bristled at this and are going to forget about it once the election is over and we get either one of the terrible outcomes, uh, one being much worse than the other. Uh, not to like. Not to make a dumb, like, South Park douche sandwich turd yeah. monster whatever thing. But the I second thing... Oh, oh you, that so, makes okay, me, I'm sorry. The second thing that makes me so mad is the exact same thing that has happened every single time. And I don't know if anyone who is listening to this will get the analogy, but it's the fucking hot dog guy, and I think you should leave, who's saying, we're just trying to find the guy who did this. Right. Because Donald Trump does the same thing every time 
where he will find a new like hobby horse to complain about where he's like the voter fraud makes it uh, illegitimate elections are illegitimate when people can vote by mail because they they act in ways that would ina- invalidate a a fair and equitable election and he does that and then he does things and people who work for him and have raised money for him do things to make it so he can effectively defraud the american people using the postal service just in a slightly different way every time he finds a thing to complain about about how people are cheating him and then he does that to people yeah it's 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 what pundits on the left or just leftists on Twitter like to point out, like it's it's pure projection. You're you're accusing people of doing the things that you're doing, um, and it's it's very funny because he, the sitting president of these here United States has been complaining about mail-in voting for months. He appointed Louis DeJoy as postmaster general, and and Louis DeJoy started doing all of these sweeping changes to the post office. And then just yesterday, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, tweeted out in all caps, SAVE THE POST OFFICE! Of course. Of course he did. Of course. It's exactly... We're all trying to find the guy who did this. We're all trying to figure out what happened here, says the hot dog-dressed man standing in front of the hot dog car, crashed into a building. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's very crazy. There is a little bit of hope because... Um, so I don't know if you know this, John, but come mid-August, the, the House and the Senate have an annual recess... For some reason, in mid-August, they get basically three weeks to go back to their their homes and their constituaries and talk and do town halls and stuff. And traditionally, this this practice uh, was established when it took a long time to get to your your home. You know, like the senator from California had to take a train all the way to California, so it took them a while to get back. Uh, but, you know, in the middle of a global pandemic, it seems a little, I don't know, not appropriate for these these lawmaking bodies to take these seemingly large swaths of time off of not making laws to help out people during the situation. Uh, so the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is calling everyone back from their August recess early to vote on legislation addressing the recent changes to the U.S. Postal Service. And that sparked a movement for the Senate to also come back early to discuss the changes to the Postal Service, as well as maybe addressing a stimulus package for, you know, COVID relief. But that kind of just has me laughing because that, that line has been said for the past two months. I... But, you know, I had no idea that they were being called back to session, which is good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, the fact... There's so many things I'm learning about both the House of Representatives and the Senate. You know they only work four days a week? Yeah. 
must be nice to get to go on your three-week millionaire vacation. It, it's it's funny that people can see, I guess this isn't so much the case now, at least for the Speaker of the House, but to be able to go to be a millionaire and to be making a lot of money and impacting people's lives. And if you were to assume what people say, which in this case I don't think you should, but you assume that they're working their hardest to get a good deal for the American people and they want to make sure that people can pay their rent and be protected and feed their children their yogurt but you're like, sorry, we have to go on vacation. That's the rules. <laughs> the rules say we have to go on vacation so you don't go, you don't go get no money. I mean, yeah. Pretty, it's like, oh, sorry. We ran out of time during our four-day work week before our big three-week-long vacation in the middle of August, in the middle of a global pandemic. So I guess everyone will get kicked out of their homes come September 1st. And you know that, so my initial assumption, uh, based partially on a tweet, was that if they did not return to session, uh, when the House came back after three weeks, I'm sure House Democrats would all come back wearing like USPS hats and they'd like take a knee. Right. Uh, in solidarity with the United States Postal Service that died. But now I know that when they are called back to session, they will deal with the United States Postal Service thing in whatever ineffectual way they deal with it. And they'll go, ah, good work. We took care of the one thing we needed to take care of. Meanwhile, every renter is being kicked out. Everyone with a mortgage is getting behind on their payments the economy and people's personal lives are collapsing and they will say, ah, good work. We've done all that needs being addressed. Right. It's the, uh, the meme of SpongeBob and Patrick standing in the middle of the burning city saying, hooray, we saved the city. It's um, yeah. Yeah. No, just lawmakers in America. They, they have a six digit salary. They, they're the only body that votes whether or not to give themselves raises. And they, they work four days a week and have these long sweeping recesses where they're not in session and they're not working on bills and stuff. And I look at all this and just say, sign me up. Yeah, this sounds great. It's like, uh, it's like you're in school, but you get more days off and you get paid a six-figure salary. Right. I mean, and if you look... If you want to be like a, a, a vigilant member of the, the Congress or, or the Senate, uh, yeah, it's exhausting. But if you want to be like any of the ones who are – or the majority of the ones sitting right now, uh, you don't even write the bills that you introduce. Lobbyists do. Corporations do. All you have to do is introduce the bill and write your name underneath it. Uh, it's – it's just really depressing. It's extremely depressing. I'm just hoping that with the House calling everyone back early and the Senate also coming back early from the recess, I'm hoping that something gets, you know, set, set down in words to protect the post office going forward. And also maybe I'm, I'm not holding out hope, but maybe we can get a little buzz going around the stimulus packages for, for the, you know, COVID relief. 
Yeah, maybe get some people from from being kicked out. Maybe give them some form of relief. Continue unemployment insurance. I think Trump already did that via executive order. It dropped um, down to four hundred instead of six hundred, though. Of course, it did. Um, but uh, something important for anyone listening to this to know is is if they do resume session and they do save the United States Postal Service and they come up with a a robust stimulus plan or just a cookie cutter copy of the last one with a lower top income limit. Just keep in mind, you don't owe these people anything because they're giving you nothing and they have given you nothing thus far. The crazy thing is they give you nothing and yet they have everything. The thing that they are keeping from you to keep you from being kicked out of your house and keeping your family fed, just to remind you, it's your money. <laughs> right. It's it's your it's your it's your tax dollars. You already It's it's not like the government's opening up their wallet and being like, "Okay, this is the money we earned, but you can have it." No, yeah. it's your money. Right. Uh I remember back when when healthcare, it's still a big issue, but when it, when it was a bigger issue in the forefront of the American political system, and they were voting to not allow pre-existing conditions to be covered by health insurance. They approved that. And on the, on the, 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 the Senate and the Congress, uh, the, you know, representative health care plan, they voted to allow pre-existing conditions to be covered by, by health insurance. And so they don't even hide that. They don't want to give the good things to everyone. They just want to give it to themselves. Yeah. I mean, we just talked about how much money they make. They, they want us to continue paying their exorbitant salaries and they it's don't insane. want us to get any of it back. Like, I'm a pro-tax person. I think taxes are a public good and everyone should pay them. Uh, however, we are not getting what we need out of where our taxes are going. Right. It's just sad. It's sad to watch, you know, people People still today are like, you know, America's number one. We're the number one nation. But, like, we're watching... This country that was great, not in our lifetimes, let's get that straight, but was one time great like back in, you know, when we stepped in World War II at the very end and ended it. And then like just the, the, the for like the next 10 years, we roll, rode that high. Uh, we, we were a superpower at that point, but we're just, we're, we're tearing each other apart. And by each other, I mean, it's coming from the top down, like the people in power are destroying the, the American lives of all of the rest of the Americans. I mean, it's it's less a Mortal Kombat and more a Donkey Kong. Uh, they're, yeah, they're it, chucking it, barrels at us from the top of the, the these 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 girders. Yeah, we're we're just having barrels chucked down on us. The it's a problem that we get into because people create this like uh, this duality between like oh people on the left have lost all civility, people on the right have lost all civility. It's it's fallen into tribalism. Your average Americans are tearing each other apart. I'm like that's 
not accurate. Rich people are tearing poor people apart. Right. And, and, and the guise of, oh, everyone's just tearing each other apart is uh, a false narrative driven by rich people saying, oh, poor people are tearing each other apart. That's why you poors are so dangerous. <laughs> That's why we can't, we can't allow you poors to have, you know, the rights that we have because you're dangerous. And we're, look, I've never torn anyone apart, you know, votes against giving people benefits. Yeah, it's like p- things are always peaceful in the in the upper ring of the anime city. Why are people in the lower ring so sad as they like throw like nuclear waste off the edge? Right. Why do they I- want to drop this whole putrid pizza down? It's a quote from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, for for years, American politics has have fallen into the the diatribe of of tribalism and identity politics. When politics, when the biggest issue that America faces is not really any sort of tribalism thing, it's it's completely and utterly a classism thing. There is class warfare happening on the day to day. Only other issues are thrown in our faces to distract us. And those issues matter too. They have their own merit, but the, 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 the symptomatic problem, the cause, the, the main disease and illness at the core of, of the difference between people, you know, people's lives is a classism one. Yeah. It's the, it's the big one. It's the fish rots from the head problem. Right. You got to cut the snake off by the head. Gotta cut that snake. Don't tread on that that snake head. Yeah, cut it off and, and then tread on it. Well, actually, don't, the rest. It's it's unsafe if you cut a snake's head off if you don't bury it because you could still step on it and get envenomated. Right, right. Um, it, it's funny because, like, you know, and, and the diet tribe or the conversation surrounding politics about who is it okay to make jokes about and stuff. Everyone always says, you know. Well, don't punch down, punch up. And it's like, well, who else is there left to punch up at but the rich who are above us? But when you make fun of them, for some reason, people still get offended that you're making fun of the, the people ruining lives. So it's like, there's no dire- there's no correct direction to punch because no matter where I punch, I offend somebody. Yeah, I, I mean, you know... If you offend rich people or rich people apologists, uh, who cares? One thing I will say about the United States Postal Service, though, is everyone... One good thing about the pandemic is people are now, I think, on average, much more connected to the idea of like, hey, your money is votes. Your money is like tokens of your time and your interest that you should, whenever possible, give to businesses you want to succeed. Like, if there's a Starbucks closer to your house, but there's a coffee shop who makes coffee you like more a little bit farther away, you should drive to the one that's not a Starbucks. Right. I, I think everyone's kind of on the same page about that. The narrative that people are pushing about the United States Postal Service right now is that it is unprofitable, and that is the only way that they're able to do these things, like sending out mail trucks without being fully loaded, getting rid of mail, sorting machines, getting rid of... Uh, post office boxes. No. What are those things called? Mailboxes. Uh, 
And all of those are, are under a narrative of, yeah, this is just, you know, organizations running out of money, which is why we have to do all the voter fraud by proxy. Prove them wrong. Make the United States Postal Service profitable. Uh, buy stamps. Have things shipped to you from creators you like. Like, use the post office. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I mean... One thing to note about most states, I don't want to say all states just because I, I you know, I don't have it in front of me, uh, but you can vote by mail and not. This kind of goes against what you just said, um, but you can vote by mail and not mail it. All you have to do is, you know, put it in an envelope and deliver it to a polling place the day of, and that should still count as voting by mail. Uh, but for everything else, you know, if you just want to support it by giving them money, absolutely buy stamps and, and get things shipped and delivered. Uh, I just I don't know if I would take the chance with your vote since it seems like voting's going to be, uh, you know, I don't know if you've looked around lately, but real important this time around. Oh, yeah. Vote in any way you can, because just keep in mind, as of August 16th, 2016, Hillary Clinton was up by exactly as many points as Joe Biden was in exactly the same polls. So amazing. Uh, uh, watch out I for that. <laughs> Vote any way you can, but also support the United States Postal Service if you have the means to. Right, right. That's it. I'm going to start sending letters to all my friend. Or... I want, is there like a, well, then that's giving money to Amazon. Buy from local shops, have them ship to you via USPS. I don't know if that's great for the environment. Buy stamps. <laughs> yeah, just buy, get, get some of those forever stamps. Those are, those are good. There's a, there's a cool, I, here's, here's how much of an early 2000s piece of shit I am. I found a cool zine from a group here in Austin. And I'm having them ship it to me via USPS, even though I could go pick it up because I want to give them money. Nice. I have nothing to add. <laughs> it's just I'm exasperated about what's going on in American politics today. And I know we, we try not to get too political on this podcast, but I think we've said before and we'll say again, there's just it's the only thing really going on right now. Yeah, like unfortunately, it, it, it is the only television show other than Legend of Korra. Well, it, it's crazy to me. A lot of things about 2020 are are kind of insane. But the fact that this pandemic hit during an election year is so interesting because whereas before news cycle, you know, pe people would be excited. Football season's around the corner the latest Marvel movie out, Disney just released Mulan. Everyone would, would be talking about all these other things. But right now, like so much attention is just waiting for something to cling on to. And the only stories happening right now are political. So it's just people are paying attention more, more so now than ever. And it's kind of because of the pandemic. And, and maybe that's a good thing because now is a really good time to care about it yeah it, it would be great if you know i want to be proven wrong about you know the, the the thing we shared we talked earlier today on on facebook messenger about some news that dropped and we were both kind of cynical about like well nothing's gonna happen 
even though this has come to light. And I kind of want to be proven wrong. I want something to to happen. I, I want justice to exist again. But I, I guess we're both sort of... Uh, I mean, the more realistic thing is that it's just going to be swept under the rug. They announced it right now because it's the perfect time to announce it because everyone's paying attention to the Democratic National Convention or whatever. I don't know, man. I feel like here's I'll I'll I don't know if this will leave listeners with any kind of hope, but it's what I get hope from, which is you want to feel like justice is real again because we were all living in a shared delusion that it was real to begin with. Hear me out. So we very much don't like what is happening in politics because it feels like no one can be punished for or held accountable for anything in our current political system, whereas we used to feel as though that was the case. We used to feel like, oh, if someone came out, if a president or their family like openly endorsed a product that they had a vested interest in, Obviously, that person wouldn't be president anymore. Uh, What we have right now is someone who has broken all of our mores, and we realize that everything that we had that we assumed would keep that in place, all our checks and balances were just like a terracotta army. They didn't really exist. Uh, So all we can do, and it's tough given our options, but all we can do then knowing that justice cannot exist in what we have now, vote for people who will make the new thing. Because what we have now, no good. Yeah, no, I I would love to vote for people who who are touting new things. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, we had, well, we never, I guess we never really had an option. But maybe in the future, um, but you know, there's that whole thing where, uh, we can't get in. We won't get into uh, to Biden Kamala stuff. But have you ever noticed that uh, that the refrain for like liberals and Democrats is you shouldn't be upset about Biden. You can push him left, and then if you bring up anything like maybe it would be cool if we is if we were like on the left of this issue, and they're like, do you want to lose to Trump? That's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah. If your primary selling point to me as someone who genuinely cares about uh, the safety, security, and sanity of my fellow human beings, when I offer you something like maybe a more, a slightly more left position than like someone who has no policy positions and just vibes, uh, if I want something more concrete and you immediately shoot me down for that, like, are we really progressing? anything does anyone actually want things to move to the left or are we just happy living in like one of the most like right-leaning effectively authoritarian governments on earth yeah this whole the whole discourse of like right versus left uh, of progressive versus moderate versus conservative libertarian if you want to you know split hairs I think it all just masks the problem that the system that we have is broken because it allows people to take advantage of it and make money 
and basically control what should be a democratic process. Uh, no system should allow people to vote against their own interests. Like that, that shouldn't be a thing. You shouldn't be able to trick an entire population to, to not look out for itself, but be convinced that they're doing the best for the, you know, they're, they're picking the best option. And so, you know, Biden's not going to upend the system and recreate it. He's not, not going to be as bad as, you know, the guy we got now, but he's not going to be much better than somebody who, who would come along and with a new idea. I don't know if the system that we have right now would ever support a candidate with a new idea because that would threaten to destroy the power that it's been cultivating for over 200 years. Yeah, we would severely have to break something in the program for that to happen. For what it's worth, though, the current guy that we have, who's very bad, did that. Uh, so yeah. we just have to do the same thing. We we just have to in we just have to break direction. it, <laughs> break it in the opposite direction for sure. Not in how how, how much can I get away with, but in a uh, how much can I get away with while helping people. I will say though, a, a cool life hack I've discovered is uh, if you like me are uh, so disillusioned by national politics that you for a while considered uh, opting out for the rest of your life, uh, get involved with local politics. Are you upset with your choices now? Sure. You should be. Uh, but in local politics, if you like I did, send a few dozen emails and make a few phone calls over your lunch break, you can actually contribute to like massive changes in your city uh, and in your district, but huge changes in your city, changes in your city. So huge that the president comments on them and the governor threatens to take away your tax revenue because you did it. And you right. get a call from a close relative telling you that your city is going to turn into a lawless wasteland. And, in two weeks and tells you to buy a gun, but God damn it, you can do it. Right. Yeah. You're referring specifically to the Austin victory, uh, announced must've been last week that, uh, we're going to defund the, the police in Austin by a hundred, oh, you know, $150 million, um, that could go into other places that then the governor of Texas responded by saying, any city that takes money away from the police department, now you have to vote on whether or not your tax rate gets frozen on property. Yeah. It's, uh... He really sucks. Yep. A representative of the, you know, small government party, once again, interferes with small government in, in local cities. It, and he's done it throughout his entire tenure like it's not new anytime he does it they've been doing it since we banned plastic bags it's look if we're making people like what's his name greg greg abbott sounds right to me if we're making greg abbott upset we're doing the right 
thing. And he's retaliating in the only way he can. And those have various levels of effectiveness. But we're doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, freezing a property tax rate wouldn't be terrible for homeowners. Yeah, it keeps it from going up. Yeah. Which I guess is good. Also, if it did pass, um, it would make cities very much hesitate from increasing police budgets going forward because they wouldn't be able to ever decrease them. I'm trying to think, yeah, that that makes sense. Sorry, I was checking next door because there was a police helicopter over my house for a few hours today. Yeah, uh, they, they knew what we would be talking about. They, they know. They're like, don't you dare fucking talk about the police. Yeah. The police, they are protected, protected citizens. Protect. They have rights to the $150 million we would give them. Protect the police. We're so much cooler than the post office. The post office just delivers your grandma's insulin into snow, and we're scared of protesters. Why are, why are you Werner Herzog? <laughs> uh, Being a policeman. Is a complicated profession. It's a complicated profession. <laughs> the U.S. Postal Service. Wait, let me see the child. Yeah. You want to give a fireman a gun? No. <laughs> uh, I, I love uh, Blue Lives Matter, Werner Herzog. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, you know, apologies to anyone if this isn't your, your bag. If you if you only tune into us to hear us talk about Quibi and make jokes about, you know, movies and stuff. But it's just, it, it's, one, nothing's coming out right now. Like, culture is kind of at a standstill. Like, we could have talked, I guess, today about uh, E3 tweeted out a list of 25 games for women gamers. <laughs> cool. On that list was Candy Crush. Mm. And like all of these dumb mobile cell phone games and Overwatch, but not listed was like any real hardcore game. And it's like, what are you, what you, one E3... You don't exist anymore, so why are you tweeting? And two, why are you tweeting backwards, you know, 1990s thoughts about uh, women don't play the same games as men kind of thing? Like, it's 2020. Anyone can play anything. It doesn't matter. We're E3, and here's games you can play if you have boobs. Number one, EverQuest. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, crisis. <laughs> now, like that would be so cool, like to take it in another direction and subvert the expectation of like, oh, it's just going to be lighthearted puzzle games, and be like, number one, Doom Eternal. Like <laughs> these, these are the games that only girl gamers can play. Number one, Postal Two. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was that? The only like. Rated adult only game. It was called oh, like, like Hatred or something. Hatred <laughs> number two. One. Hatred. Hatred. <laughs> Women number love three. Killing things. Blood. Yeah. 
There was like a survival horror game called like Agony or something. <laughs> Just one word, really <laughs> unpleasant sounding video games. Yep. Uh, I think you could make that into a medium article, post it, and get some get some heat. Get some heat. Better start writing. Oh, no, it's already been done. Nah, surely not. Twitter does everything, like, immediately. God damn it. Yeah, god damn it, Twitter. Oh, I forgot the bit we were going to do this whole episode, John. Wait, we were going to do a bit this whole episode? Yeah, we were going to do a a bit the whole episode. Jesus Christ, I forgot the plans. Oh, well, we were were going to do a bit, but then Xbox Games Pass decided to... uh... That was the bit! John, where, where is your Microsoft Flight Simulator download progress right now? Hold on. Wait, did it close? Oh, no, don't tell me. Oh, no, don't tell me it closed. Oh, did it stop? Hold on. Oh, I guess the bit wouldn't have happened either way then. I literally just brought it up to check the status and it's like 30% done. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Is it so it's not downloading anymore? Uh, it's 31% done. Okay. 31%. That's right. This this whole episode, we were supposed to be talking about Microsoft Flight Simulator, the new big hot game from Microsoft Studios, and we were gonna we're gonna play it. We're gonna play it tonight. <laughs> we're gonna play it tonight on tonight's episode. As soon as it downloads, we're at 31% with Probably 10 minutes left in the episode, so, you know, hopefully we get there. Man, I really thought that would have been a pretty good bit. That's a shame. I know. I can't believe I, I forgot. Uh, I, as Wait, soon hold as on. We... It launched to full screen. It, did it actually download? Hold Every, on. Everyone's We might waiting. be able to finish this on a strong... It crashed. <laughs> everyone's waiting with bated breath yeah no as soon as as soon as we started the podcast i just immediately you ever like you ever just go about your day and then all of a sudden you just feel like really really sad and down and just like you don't want to you, you just don't want to do anything yeah pretty often yeah that happened immediately when you said you know three two one go Oh no! <laughs> like I was in a good headspace, and I had these th- that good plan for the the episode, and then we started, and I had that bit about Internet Explorer dying, and then I don't know, I just lost, I lost everything, I lost my entire. Oh God! This is why I should write shit down. Let me tell you the the ultimate moral corruption of Microsoft Flight Simulator. You, wait, what? Okay. The ultimate corruption of Microsoft Flight Simulator, the download restarted. Uh, The (laughs) ultimate corruption is that you will download it on your launcher of choice and it will, you'll leave it alone for a long period of time. It'll download. You'll come back, you'll play it. It will give you a splash screen, Xbox Game Studios, a Sobo, whatever that is. Y is Realtree, Black Shark AI, all these logos. And then it says Microsoft Flight Simulator. Press any key to start. You press a key. It loads. 
and then it checks for an update and it kicks you to a window and tells you <laughs> that you need to download 90 gigabytes worth of yeah. content before you can fly a fucking plane for a stupid bit on your stupid podcast. And I'm probably never actually going to play this game, but I'm going to download it because I'm right. upset at it. Right. Yeah. Uh, for a stupid bit on your podcast with no visual component, we might add. But yeah, so the plan for this episode before all of the things John just described happened was John was going to be piloting a plane this entire episode. And while while doing the episode, he would be flying a plane and that that would be cool. That would be neat. You know, we, we could pop, take pauses in our content to be like, hey, John, where are you? Like, what are you what are you over right now? And he would give us like an update, it'd be really cool. And maybe I wouldn't have gotten so bogged down in American politics. And this would be the light hunted hearted fun podcast that you love to tune into every week. But no, because fucking Microsoft pulled that shit. It was a downer fucking episode. I talked about Pollux the entire time. I'd said Pollux. <laughs> Jackson Pollux. <laughs> and I forgot the bit we were going to do. But checking in where the progress for the goddamn download bar was. I hate you, Microsoft. I think the one thing we can take away from all of this is we blamed a lot of people. We blamed Louis DeJoy. We blamed Donald Trump. There's been a lot of blame thrown around. But chief among them, no, solely among them, the, the, the blame lies at the feet of Microsoft. Absolutely. They ruined it. They ruined everything. Uh, Henry, I'd like to tell you something. What's up? Welcome aboard and thank you for being part of this incredible adventure. The Microsoft Flight Simulator team would like to share a special message to thank each one of you who have taken this journey with us. We are beyond excited to finally share the new Microsoft Flight Simulator with our community. This journey has taken us several years of research and development to get where we are today, and yet this is only the beginning of something we hope to continue to build with all of you for years to come. The community has been such a fundamental element of our development process. We can't thank you enough for the amazing feedback and contributions to our sim and the flight sim community. The journey ahead is long and one we want to continue with our amazing community. Thank you for everything, and we hope you enjoy Microsoft Flight Simulator the sky is calling. Please download the following updates. 77.7 gigabytes remaining. God damn it! <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no, that's a that's a late in the game third beer. Uh, it's actually um it's actually an Austin Beerworks Peacemaker Anytime Ale. I figured this was as good a time as any. Where'd you... I'll crack one open for for Austin. Well, I guess the other one was brewed in Austin, too. It was. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, every so often my apartment complex will have a food truck park in between the other apartment complex. Nice. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes we'll get stuff from the food truck for dinner, and I was ordering online from this food truck, and, uh... I just saw they had a six pack of beer for like 10 bucks. And I was like, Hey, I don't have to drive anywhere and I get a six pack of beer. Why not? <laughs> this is uh so the, the pandemic has created a kind of a, 
a kind of culture for takeout that we've never had before. There's a place that I like to get uh, lunch from on the weekends. And you can add beer to your order, which means they just drop one of their many different six-packs in your to-go order. It's great. Yeah. The one good thing that I will give Greg Abbott is that he okayed alcohol to-go orders. And then, like, even when he thought that the pandemic was over, like a bad person... He was like, I think he joked. He's like, I think it's going to stick around. I think it's good. This is the one good thing to come out of the pandemic. And then he opened up bars and restaurants again. And we all got sick again. And yeah. And, yeah. and then uh, we all got sick. People started dying. He's like, well, it's these millennials who go to these bars that I opened. <laughs> yeah. When do we get to vote him out? Uh, poof, let me see. Do you vote on governors? <laughs> governors, as everyone knows, Amer- American governors are only decided in, in combat. Uh, 2022. And also Fuck. it's Texas, so there's no way we're going to vote them out, because Texas is bad. Are there term limits on governors? I don't... Texas does not have gubernatorial term limits. That seems like an oversight. Looks like we got to vote for Joaquin Castro or Julian Castro. Oh, good. One of uh, Castro's brothers. We can also brothers. vote for Mike Rawlings, a former mayor of Dallas and CEO of Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not good. I read Pizza a Hut Yum Brands. I read a headline today that a... Uh, a major franchisee of Pizza Hut had to declare bankruptcy. So 300 locations were closing nationwide. Wait, does that mean my combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bells will now just be a combination foreclosed building Taco Bell? <laughs> they don't repurpose the uh, Pizza Hut space. It is The only Pizza Hut like, side of the menu just goes dim, but it stays a Taco Bell. <laughs> Half of the building has like possums in it, <laughs> and like home, you know, homeless. Just people halfway who... down the building, just that is dilapidated, <laughs> right. full of snakes and homeless people. Homeless people who are legally allowed to camp there because of Austin, uh, uh, what are they called? Mandates. So it's like they're they're well within their rights. Yeah, you know, that's not an expression. But I was gonna say, God protect them. Right, right. God, the good old American saying, God protect them. <laughs> That's not, it's not something you can, you can't like pat someone on the shoulder and be like, God protect you. <laughs> it sounds ominous. <laughs> You're gonna need it. Uh, you need God's protection. Um, he's coming. <laughs> hey, take this talisman. <laughs> take this talisman. Uh, God protect you. In a pinch, it creates a psionic shield that protects you from all damage, uh, even if it's fire-based. We all say goodbye, a contraction famously of God be with you. But if you tell someone God be with you, you you better be sending them on like a quest. Right. Right. It's like saying God speed to somebody. I don't know what that means, but everyone seems to say it when you need to rush and no one respects it when I clap them on the shoulder. I say, they will know you by the trail of dead. 
instead of be well. They will know you. They will know you by the trail of dead. Oh boy. Well, I think it's time to say they will know you by the trail of dead to our listeners. I think you're right. And I think uh, right before this, hold on, download progress check. Where are we? Hold on. Where were we at last time? You have to download 31%. Okay. So I relaunched it because it shut down and is no longer in percentages, but <laughs> what is 7.7 point, wait, 77.7 gigabytes minus 957 megabytes? Oh, I don't, what the fuck? I can't do that math. <laughs> That's how we're much almost there. We're, we're going we're gonna to take off. By the end of this episode, we will be in the air. This is the official Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 edition po- episode of this podcast. So we will be in the air. John, why don't you tell them how they can reach us? That's right. If you want to fire up your CB radio, that's what planes have, and uh, send us a little, uh, if you want to fire up, Hold on, I have to get into my pilot character. Hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. If you want to fire up your, your CB radio and send us a little send us a little call sign, you can do so shortly uh, at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Copilot Henry. That stands for Zector. I forgot our acronym. That's right. <laughs> I can't believe you forgot the acronym. That's right. Zulu, Charlie, Papa, Charlie, Whiskey. H, 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 H. Hilda. It's not Hilda. That's not Hilo. It's Honor. Honor. J, 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 J. Jeremiah. It's Jeff. And we'll respond to you on Twitter. If you want a different kind of response, perhaps an actual one, uh, you can get one of those by sending us an email to email at zerocredits.net. Niner, niner, this is your captain speaking. No vaping in the lavatories. We are on Spotify. You can find us by searching... Uh, with your aviator glasses on Spotify.com or the app. (laughs) (laughs) But in the podcast section of Spotify, look for zero credit, open parenthesis, S, close parenthesis, niner, niner. Your flight crew will come by to collect your trash. Uh, we're on Spotify. We are also on Apple Podcasts. Search for zero credits on the Apple Podcast podcast. Leave us a like, leave us a comment, leave us a subscribe, leave your flight attendants a tip, leave that middle seat empty, and leave your heart in San Francisco, because we're going to Chicago nonstop, red eye, baby Cessna, 747, 357 Magnum, baby, but most importantly... Breaker, breaker. This is Smokey and the Bandit. Word of the mouth is the only way 
we can survive. So tell your co-pilot, tell your, as every pilot is required to have, enemy pilot that follows you constantly in the air and on the land, and you are constantly trying to outrun him, which is why you are never home, which is why your wife will leave you because of your enemy pilot that you cannot tell anyone about. He is your Red Baron. He is the Red Baron, and he will kill you if you don't kill him first. And then we'll have two people who listen to the podcast, a pilot... And the enemy, the ethereal, eternal enemy pilot that you are locked in a constant struggle with. And uh, that'll probably do something for us. And from everyone here at the Zero Credit Studio Air Traffic Control Tower, we want to wish everyone a, a happy liftoff. And uh, happy trails, chemtrails, happy chemtrails, and then also a happy landing, but most importantly, a happy week. Kick the tires, light the fires. Bye. Are we in the air yet? Did we do it? Did we launch? Hold on, wait. What what 77.70 gigabytes minus 1.45 gigabytes? I don't know. I don't know what that means. Gigabytes. Uh, All right. Well, we did it. This was the official. Everyone clap. Clap. This was the official Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 edition of this podcast. And I hope you enjoyed it because we'll never mention anything again. Goodbye. God bless you, pilot wings. God protect you. Zero credits for you. That's uh, that's some meat on the grill, baby.